0: When I was a youth pastor, my kids loved to have long debates about if they could have any superhero power, what would it be? What would it be? If you could have any superhero power, what would it be? A Superman, be able to fly, anybody stop in there and say, yeah, I'll make sure it wasn't a ceiling fan right here. Um, Be able to fly, or um, bullets bounce off of you, you know, laser eyes, or Spider-Man, or or whatever, Wolverine, the power to heal whenever you get hurt or something happened. If you could have, one of my kids said it's really easy. I know what I would want. If I could have any superhero power, it would be Batman's ability to be super, super rich. Anybody just say, hey, that, I mean, if you think about it, that's all Batman has. He just got a big checkbook. He can buy whatever he wants to buy. He gets all the best cars and all the gadgets. I guess he's really smart too. I don't know, but, but that's his superpower. Ability uh, to be a hero. What does a real hero look like? If you were to ask your kids, who's your hero, or even you? I mean, if you, uh, some people would say, you know, whoever the most popular athlete is today, Steph Curry. Say, hey, Steph Curry is my hero. Look what look what he can do. There. he's what two time, three time world champion. You know, MVP, two time. I mean, he is ultimate, he's a believer, he, what a cool guy, Steph Curry is my hero, or LeBron James, or Dak Prescott, for us Cowboy fans, I mean, who is your hero, yeah, stop shaking your head, no, you know better, you know better, or, or some people say, you know, whatever musician or rock star at the time, you know, that's my hero, look at the, you know, the money and, and the applause and the people staring at him, I would, I wish I could be this person, for some of us, it might be a little more personal. We might say it's our dad or our mom or somebody who was like a spiritual leader in our lives and, and spoken to us. Question for you this morning is would you or could you be a hero? Are you do you have the possibility, or and not do you, but would you use the ability to become a real hero in somebody's life? We've been looking at the life of David. And uh, today, I've mentioned this story a couple times in a few other messages, but today we're really going to dig deep into the story of David and Mephibosheth. And, um, and so before I go too deep into it, just talking about it, let's read in the Scripture. So if you have some notes um, you can pull those out. They're in the bulletin. And this is what the scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1-11. through 11. It says, One day David asked, now he's king, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. And the king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him. At the home of Makir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect, and David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. You might want to underline that sentence. It's so good. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me scripture says and from that time on the ate regularly at david's table like one of the king's own own sons now look david did some really heroic things in his life I mean, we've already talked about the story of David and Goliath that we all know, you know, the Philistine army on one side of the valley, the army of Israel on the other, and the Philistine giant standing in the middle, calling out God's army and saying, just send one guy, you puny people, you're all afraid of me, let's go to battle one-on-one and see who's who's going to be victorious in this war. And, Army of Israel cowering and David, just as a young boy, never been in battle before, steps up and says, Hey, I'll take down this dog. You, this guy can't stand up and he goes out and he takes the sling and smacks him in the head and cuts off his head, you know, and holds it up and the fill. I mean, you know the story. We talked about it and you would say, that's heroic, right? And you can watch story after story after that, battle after battle of David defeating people and and leading Saul's army and victorious over and over again, and him restoring the glory of Israel and and Israel once again, you know, being the the kingdom that it should be. You'd say, that's heroic. But I want to submit to you today that in this moment, David became a real hero. In this moment, he did something for someone who couldn't do it for themselves, and that's what a real hero looks like. Would you be a hero like David? Some of you are asking, well, Jared, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. Here's just a few thoughts for you. Put them in your notes. The first thing is this, is if you want to be a real hero, then do this. Real heroes look for the chance to be heroic. What I love about this story is that David sought out Mephibosheth. He didn't sit in his kingdom and and, and just wait for somebody or wait for Saul's family to come or wait for Jonathan's family to come. He actively pursued him. He went for him. He asked Ziba, is anybody left? And when he found out there was somebody, he said, bring him to me. Let's go get this guy. We have a chance to do something great for Jonathan's family. Here's the thing is that David didn't wait for him to come to him. And sometimes as churches, we get into the habit of waiting people to come to us, not as just churches, but as individuals, instead of looking for the opportunities to bless other people. We all have opportunities to to be a real hero in God's eyes if we take advantage of the opportunities he's already given us. Every day, God places people and 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 opportunities in your life for you to be heroic. Are you looking for them? I put this in your notes. Some heroes rise when the crisis comes their way, and real heroes seek and find the crisis that's already going on. I mean, this is what Jesus modeled. If you look in your scripture or look in your notes, Matthew nine thirty five says this. It says Jesus, and what's the word? It's underlined in bold. What does it say? He went. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He went. I mean, think about this. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He has all power at his fingertips, Jesus does. And you could have, Jesus could have set up shop somewhere in one of the temples and one of the synagogues and started doing miracles and say, hey, you know, I'm an important guy. I don't have time to do all this travel. If you want to get healed, you come to me because I've got all the power, right? That's what he could have done, but he didn't. The scripture says that he went to people. He went. And as churches, we we can become so intrinsically focused on ourselves, just on what's happening inside of our own walls, that we stop seeing the world around us. I had an amazing eight-year run serving a church in Oklahoma City. Called Chartel Church of God, and I use a lot of illustrations from them just because it was a real blessing as a part of my life. And um, and Chartel is one of those um, one of those mother churches in Oklahoma City that was been around for over a hundred years. And there are three or four churches inside the city that, that we birthed inside of our movement that sprung out of this church, and and it's always just been you know a bedrock, of stability, and. And when my, my, new, my senior pastor came and was leading that church, you know, one of the things that he just witnessed and the Lord started pressing on him is that, is that this church is basically the exact same church that he served 20 years ago when he was their youth pastor. The exact same families. The exact same people. Everybody was just a little bit Younger. Instead of the grandmas and the grandpas, it was the kids and the grandkids. It was all the same families, all the same last names. There was a rich heritage. And that's a really cool thing to be a part of. But he was looking out and he was saying, but where's everybody else? It's the same 250, 300, 350, 400 people who would fluctuate that were there 30 years ago that are there now today. He said, we're missing the opportunity to love the kingdom of God and to love people. And so we said, we we have to serve. We have to find a way to get outside these walls. Right up the street, two miles away, was an elementary school called Sky Ranch. It was a Title I school. To be a Title I school, I think the number is 75% um, of the students, a part of that school, have to be a part of government assistant lunches. So you can kind of get an idea of the population of that school in the neighborhoods. And we just said, as a school, what can we do to help you? They said, well, it's getting close to Christmas, and there's a lot of our kids or some of our kids their families have been going through traumatic times and we don't have presents for them and they don't have presents would you help and so the teachers started asking and calling parents and finding out what do those kids need and what would they want for christmas and and our people bought stuff and delivered it to them and and, and we served them the next year they said, what can we do it's well school's coming back can you can you buy some school supplies for these same group of kids and we did the teachers were having a work day and said, hey, you guys are having a work day. Let us buy lunch for you. We found all these opportunities how we can volunteer in that place to serve that community. We went. Now that has been a very rich heritage of this church, of going and serving. What a shame it would be if we lost that. What a shame it would be if, if... if we, if I, allowed that to slip through our fingers of serving people and finding opportunities to love those who are far from God. Scripture says that he went. Real heroes look for the chance to be heroic. Here's a second thought. If you want to be a real hero, real heroes do good simply because they can. You look at this story. What does David get out of this transaction? Think about it for a second. What... What's the motivation? Does he get some sort of favor from somebody for for blessing Mephibosheth? I mean, it's not like he's king now, right? He's got everything. There's nothing that he gets out of this. Did he get some sort of glory from it? You know, people saying, oh, look at David. Look how altruistic he is. Look how he's helping this poor crippled guy. No, that didn't happen. And he wasn't even making amends. It wasn't as if he felt guilty for something that he had done because he, the reason he did it is because he made a promise to Jonathan and he could fulfill that promise. Real heroes do good simply because they can. He had the power and he had the ability to do it so he did. That's what a real hero does. Jesus was talking to a group of people gathered around him on the Sermon of the Mount, and he was talking about giving. He was talking about giving to the poor and giving to the church. And he says, when you give to someone in need, in Matthew 6, 2, he says, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. He says, when you do it, don't do it for the applause of people. Do it for the for the applause of God, and just because it's the right thing to do. A few pastor buddies of mine, we were we were talking about stuff that we were doing in the community, and one of the pastors shared about um about how his church were um, giving water bottles um, to people. There there was like four or five hiking spots in their area, and they were giving water bottles to people on Saturdays before they would hike and after they would hike, you know, because people can get in trouble, you know, in summer, not even in summer, you know, it's just hot here all the time, Um, and uh, and so they would get out there and get hiking and and not have enough water, and and it could be a really dangerous thing, and so they just said, hey, this would be a great opportunity for us to serve our community and do something good, so they're handing out water bottles to people in the community as they were hiking. And uh, after, you know, doing this for a month or so, you know, they were kind of debriefing and talking about it, and the pastor started to get a little bit frustrated. And um, one of my more, um, what's the word, uh, um, wise pastor friends just simply asked him, just pulled back and just said, hey, why are you doing this? Why? I mean, think, what is your motivation for, for giving these water bottles? Is it to give it to people who are thirsty because they need it? Or are you giving it to grow your church? Because if you're giving it to grow your church, there's a lot better ways to, to spend your money to tr- market your church than water bottles. But if you're giving it because they're thirsty, what's your motivation? And that's the question that all of us have to ask for time, a time or two. What's our motivation? You guys know the name David Letterman, king of late night comedy, retired what 7 or 8 years ago. David Letterman in his time as being a late night host worked on over, on thousands of Habitat for Humanity homes and never asked for any intention for doing it. Steve Buscemi, the, the actor, um, was a firefighter in New York and uh, after 9/11 um, the fire station that he worked at took a serious hit, and some of the men lost their lives. And, um, and so Steve Buscemi just said, took a pause. He took a pause from his acting career, and he went back to his fire station. And he said, let me help. Let me serve you. And he was hired back onto the force um, for little or, or no pay. I don't remember which one it was. But he just simply said, hey, I don't want any recognition. I don't want the media to know. I don't. I'm don't. i kind of outing Steve Buscemi, if, if that's possible. But, but he just said, he said, I don't want anybody to know. I'm just doing it because they need the help and I love these people. They're my brothers. It's about your motivation. Who do you have the ability to help and will you do it with the right heart? Here's a third, third thought. If you want to be a real hero, real heroes help those others discard. Mephibosheth had everything against him. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. He was the grandson of Saul, and so as far as he was concerned, his life was in danger. I mean, we've talked about this idea before that when a king took over a kingdom, you know, he would he would kill out the other king's family so that they wouldn't have the opportunity to take the kingdom back. And so, as far as Mephibosheth was was concerned, his life was in danger. He was living in a place called Lodabar. When I was in college, I um, I went to a, a um, a revival at a church near uh, the college I was going to and T.D. Jakes, if you guys have ever heard T.D. Jakes preach, he's a large booming African American man. He was preaching on this story and every time he would say, he would say the city was called Lodabar and he had this real deep brass Lodabar. He says that name Lodabar the name means not having no pasture was the name of the city. And so if you think of the type of people who are living in a city that's described as not having or no pasture, you begin to get a picture of a person named Mephibosheth. He was the people that society had discarded. You know, we have the tendency to to want to help people that we think deserve it. But, but David helped someone who couldn't and didn't deserve it. The church should come around people who society doesn't want to have around. That's who the church should love. That's who the church should serve. That's who the church should seek out. The people that society doesn't want to have around. Jesus, in Matthew 25, He's talking about the coming judgment day. And he's, he says, you know, the day is coming when we're all going to stand before the Lord and, and the Lord is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he's going to look at the people on his right and he's, and he's going to say, you, my good and faithful servants, welcome into paradise. He's going to say, because when I was hungry, you gave me something. Now this is a paraphrase because I don't have the scripture in front of me. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When when I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was in prison, you came. And those people are going to look at God and they're going to say, God, when did we do these things? We don't know what you're talking about. Thank you, by the way. But when did we do these things? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And then Jesus said this, Matthew twenty-five forty. He says, whatever you did for one of the, what does it say? The least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The least. Ever feel like that describes you? I mean, me too. People that society had given up on. That's who God tells us to reach out to. Those that society has discarded. Here's a fourth thought about a real hero. Is a real hero gives gifts that can't be repaid. Look, what I love about this is that David just didn't send money or food. He didn't say, okay, I gather around like two dozen servants and I'm going to buy this place in, um, in Lodabar. And we're going to let Mephibosheth live there. And we'll send him some money from time to time. We'll send him some food from time to time. Man, he'll just be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Is that what David did? No, he, he went to Ziba and he said, hey, go get this guy. Bring him to me. And he looked at him. And he said, hey, um, all of the land that Saul used to own... Which I'm sure was quite a bit. I mean, he was the king of Israel before David. He said, I'm giving it all back to you. So, all of this that was taken from you is now yours once again. And let me tell you something else. I'm just not going to put you out to pasture on this land that Saul used to own. You have a place at my table. You know who sits at the table of the king? One of his sons, one of his daughters. And he looks at Mephibosheth and he says, you have a place amongst my family. You are my own. Real heroes give gifts that can't be repaid. I mean, how's Mephibosheth ever going to pay that back? Never. He had nothing to offer. I put just three quick thoughts. Some, some give donations, but heroes give dignity. You know, it's, it's easier to throw money at stuff, right? Make us feel a little bit better but we don't have to get our hands dirty. You know how you give somebody dignity? You ask them their name. You know how you give somebody dignity? You say, tell me your story. And can we be friends? Get into my life. I want to be in yours. That's offering dignity. It takes a step further, and it helps people feel human again when they're at their lowest place in life. Here's a second thought about a debt that can't be repaid. Some give an act of kindness. The heroes offer friendship. Have you ever pulled up into a fast food line or at Starbucks and you get stuck in like the act of kindness chain that's going on and the person in front of you has bought your coffee? How many of you, that's happened before? I was, or how many of you have started one of those? I'll out you. It's okay to say if you started one. That's cool. I applaud that. That's really neat. Um, I, I was watching a video online. This guy was posting the aftermath of his Taco Bell experience he was driving through Taco Bell, and he had ordered like a number five or whatever. It was going to be $6.29. And, and so he walked up, and, or he was driving through, and the lady said, well, your meal has been paid for by the car in front of you. Um, and he was like, man, I didn't want to be that guy. you know? I didn't want to be the guy that broke the chain. And so he was like, well, I guess I'll pay for the car behind me. And he was thinking, you know, I paid six forty nine. dollars it, It's going to be somewhere around there. So he handed the lady his card. He knew he was in trouble when she looked at him and said, are you sure? And he was like, uh, I guess. And so he handed the card and he got it back with a bill that said $44 and something cents. And he said, who in the world spends $44 at Taco Bell? I, are you, you can buy the whole store for $44. Are you kidding me? He said, I was stuck in the chain of the act of kindness. And I'm not saying those are a bad thing. Those are actually really cool. And we should look for opportunities to act of kindness in people's lives. But here's the deal. What if we took it a step further and not just did an act of kindness, but we offered true friendship to people? Some people are so desperate to be noticed, to be included, to be cared for. That's That's what real heroes do is they offer friendship." Here's a third thought. Some people give shelter for a night, but heroes give a home. Now, I really don't want to say this because I know this is being recorded, and I'll have to answer to it one day. Um, but but one of the heroes in my life is my wife's parents. And I'll have to answer that one day. <laughs> And the reason why is because over the last 20 years, they've helped over 25 kids in the foster care system. Twenty-five children who are at their worst moment in life being pulled away from their parents or some sort of crisis or some sort of abuse or some sort of neglect. And her parents opened their home to them and said, let us help you. And a lot of those kids had like had a, a lot of behavioral issues that came with being in that system. And they loved them and walked them through those hard, hard moments until they either found homes to be adopted into or restored to their families. How cool is that? That's a real hero. You know, in the the state of Arizona, we have a crisis in the foster care system. It's a crisis. And I don't know the numbers. You can ask my wife afterwards. She knows a lot about that system. Um, But it's a crisis, And there are families and kids who are in desperate need to be loved. And that's what the church is supposed to do. To love those kids. To love those families. Some give shelter for a night, but heroes, man, they give a home to people. And it's not just about a home for people to live. You can offer people a home through deep friendships. Say, let me be a part of your family. Here's a last thought. Is that real heroes remember that they too are but outcasts at the table of the king. That they too are but outcasts at the table. My name is Guess. Hold on one second. I am. Jump the gun a little bit. It's okay, buddy. Here's the deal. I said it wasn't long ago that David was in the wilderness too. I mean, right before he becomes king, Saul's out to kill him. And where's he living? In the desert. The story of him running for his life and hiding in caves as the army pursued him, David knew what it was like to be down and out. And when he had the opportunity to do something about it, he did. He was too just an outcast on the king. We have a video that we're going to show about a, a kid by the name of Kez who was once a, a Filipino orphan living on the street, digging trash out of a dump and what God did in his life and how he repaid it. Let's watch that video together.
1: My name is Kes. I am 13 years old. I live in Cavite City, the Philippines. And this is my story. Sabi ko po ako po ay uh, naninirahan sa kadiliman dahil po at yung pagkasuno ko po. po. Tapos po yung yung mga masakit po pati mga
2: Kez is only 4 years old when he has no other choice than to run away from his abusive home he's all alone like many other street children, he tries to survive at the dump site. The conditions are horrible. Day and night, he is exposed to danger. He's all alone with no place to call home. At night, he sleeps in one of the open tombs of the local graveyard, hoping for a sense of protection. Not a warm, soft bed, but a cold and terrifying place to sleep. But then, his life changes completely. Kez falls in a pile of burning tires at the dump site and is severely wounded. Reaching out for help, there is only one man who cares, Mr.
0: Hanin.
3: That day probably was uh, the first day in his life that he felt loved, accepted and cared
2: for. Mr. Hanin treats Kez's wounds till they are healed. He takes care of Kez and becomes his guardian. At the age of seven, celebrating his birthday for the very first time, he does something special. Instead of asking for gifts himself, Kez decides to give gifts to the children still living on the street, and thus started his Gifts of Hope.
3: That birthday of was the start of something big. From that day, he started giving uh, to a few kids. And then, the next year, they added more and more and the project grew bigger and bigger. He involved uh, some of his friends. It has grown into to something big and he, it seems that he doesn't want to stop.
2: Today, Kez has grown to become a beacon of inspiration for many. Dozens of volunteers have joined his organization, championing community children. Flip-flops, toys, toothbrushes, together they have already handed out thousands of gifts of hope. Yet Kez does a lot more for street children. He educates them about personal hygiene, explains them their rights, and takes care of their wounds. But above all, he gives them hope.
1: When I grow old, I like to be... I like to be Kuya Kez's. The most important thing that I've I've learned from Kes is that um, you should help other people first and prioritize other people first than yourself. Ang mahalagang natutunan ko kay Kes Kes, ay paggagamot ng sugat at tumunong sa kapa. Ang naituro sa amin ni Kes ay kapag nagsama-sama kami, kaya naming baguhin ang mundo. Mga bata, makinig mo na dito, okay? Everywhere, Caesar
2: is being surrounded by children. He gives them love, care, fun and attention. He has already helped over 10,000 street children. He has treated over 3,000 wounds. Whenever he sees someone in need, he lends a helping hand.
1: Pagodin is undoubtedly a hero because he sees a
3: need and he immediately thinks of a way that he can do something to meet that need that simple
1: my motto is uh, we can change the world one heart at a time ang ibig sabihin po nun ay kung meron bu tayong pusong tumulong din puso po tayong mag-alaga pwede po nating mabaguhay mundo pun tayo through don po isang tao
2: to thousands of children Kez is a great inspiration He is an inexhaustible source of hope. He is their hero. That is why he is the rightful winner of the International Children's Peace Prize 2012.
0: Once an outcast, once an orphan, to helping 10,000 plus children. Because he remembered what it was like to be in their place. David, lost in the wilderness, running for his life, reaching out to Mephibosheth, living in a place called Lodabar. That's David's story, that's Kez's story, and that's our story too. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians. He says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. All of us, outcasts, fallen short of the glory of God, but being restored by the blood and the grace of Jesus. You know, we think about our own failures, our own sin, all those things deserve the death penalty. But instead, we were shown grace and mercy. We were once outcasts. Now we're eating at the table.